Tuesday, the 31st of May. I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports podcast broadcasting on Facebook Live as well as Apple's ColorCast app. If you are downloading today's episode via your favorite podcatcher, thank you so much for the download. Uh, we are going to be discussing basketball on several levels. Uh, the NBA Finals is set for Thursday. Not really going to focus solely on the finals, but any basketball talk is better than uh, no basketball talk at all. Joining me today for the roundtable, like he does on most occasions, Tony Antonio is here. Tony, how are you? Tony is good, on mute. That, that's a good start. Good, Randy. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great. And today we are joined uh, with a very a special guest. He has a wide range of broadcasting experience in general news and especially in sports as a reporter, update anchor, as well as a host these days. He's doing some great things in the corporate communications world. His name is Zach Cooper, and he joins us tonight. Zach, it's an absolute thrill. After all these years, how are you? I'm well, man, and uh, it's obviously nice to be here. Nothing sounds sexier than corporate communications. Isn't that something? Well, yeah, I thought it was something, uh, you know, I thought it was something that would go well with you. With it's funny. Normally I, say, normally I say, you know, I work in, in video games, and that's kind of like the hook, and that'll that'll do the thing. And then, you know, corporate communications, I think, is like the uh, it's the, the, the less sexy side of it. But uh, A little no, bit. it's great. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, it's been what, uh, like 15 years, I think, when since you and I worked together and uh, Tony as well uh, at uh, uh, Rogers Radio in uh, Toronto. And yeah, I mean, uh, of course, in 2005, when we were working together, there was no Facebook and there was no YouTube. But of course, uh, you know, back then we knew that uh, you were going to appear on my podcast, right? It's true. Yeah, I think I think you wrote it on a sticky, slapped it on my back. And it, it took me a while. It took me like, I think it was about 15 years till I saw it. <laughs> and then I just wrote you back. I was like, what is this, man? You're like, oh, it's time. It's that time. And you, so I, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Here we are. Here we are today. And, uh, you know, talking about today and you know what, we definitely will be talking about basketball uh, soon. But, uh, you know, Zach, I'd be uh, remiss if uh, the three of us didn't have a chat uh, uh, about uh, about news, whether it be in general, in a general sense or in sports. I mean, uh, the three of us as well. Uh, Dan Legere, who was uh, supposed to be joining us, he may join us uh, as the uh, show uh, progresses here. But uh, the three of us got into news, I think, for a reason. And, uh, we, you know, we were hoping to, uh, whether it be in sports, uh, you know, I, for one, uh, wasn't overly picky if it was a news perspective. Uh, I was really enamored with the whole dynamic of informing the media, uh, the informing the world, excuse me. Uh, but uh, that was a long time ago. And here we are today with uh, so many different platforms. This platform uh, not being around, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, to start with, uh, you know, from those days to today, like, 
What do you think the state is of news, whether it is of a general sense or in sports? I think I think it's a it's a it's a wide state. It's a big state. Uh, it's it is robust, man. It's a crazy world. I think you know you allude to a a time before this one when you know Twitter. I think when when I was leaving the fan, Twitter was maybe a couple of years old, uh, and now it it you know it dominates as far as like spreading information. I you know I'm curious where both of you guys get your information from, you know, how the news cycle uh, enters your world. Um, because, you know, it, it's interesting. Some of it has remained the same for me. And then at the same time, so much relies on an algorithm and me getting the news that the, you know, the internet wants me to see based on the things that I've been looking at and clicking on. And it's just, it, it's wild, man. And uh, I don't know, like, how does how does news enter your worlds, Tony? Mine is one hundred percent Twitter. Uh, just every day, just flipping every every minute of the day. Yeah, I get. I, we've all changed. I used to be a newspaper reader. I used to be a, you know, just wake up in the morning, grab a coffee, read the paper, blah blah blah. But I need my information fast, quick, and you're right. It's just that's that's. I mean, and life is busy for us, too, when you have a family, when you're working. Mm-hmm. So just grab your phone and mainly Twitter for me now. I, I do a lot of podcasts, too, but Twitter for sure. For me, honestly, Zach, I, I really haven't changed much uh, with regards to social media there. I guess the occasional Facebook post, but, uh, you know, I'm not really heavy on uh, the uh, CP20, uh, well, City Pulse 24, which is the 24 hour uh, news station and uh, in Toronto, uh, CTV Newsnet and uh, CTV. Uh, I, I know that Twitter obviously is so instant, but uh, really haven't got to Twitter really at all. Uh, are you still an AM radio guy? Are you are you are you getting your your updates uh, <laughs> every uh, every fifty every uh, fifteen yeah, minutes? Man. Traffic on the ones. You know what? Uh, no, I, in terms of traffic, I rely on Google, but. Uh, you know, with, uh, I, I guess, uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, one of the top sportscasters up until recently uh, was let go from uh, the radio station that you used to work at. And he has a podcast and I listen to his podcast uh, when I'm in the car. Uh, as well as are we, are, we, are, we, are we not calling out names? I don't know. We can. I mean, uh, I don't think I'm be, I don't think I'm under uh, any, uh, pressure not to say any names but bob mccowan who is uh essentially one of the top sportscasters in this country uh he was let go give or take around 2019 i think and uh what is time yeah yeah and uh you know it, it remains to be seen if that was uh, the right decision for rogers radio but uh he is doing a podcast and i still think he uh, has a lot of value uh uh there is uh, one show uh uh, the Drive Time Show with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Uh, Stephen Brunt is one of my uh, favorite uh, sportscasters. Ben, I, I actually, he started when I was at uh, 680. And uh, I don't think you mind me saying that uh, I even met him and at uh, a party that you hosted at your place. I do remember that, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying that. But, Tell me uh, more about this party, Randy. <laughs> was, uh, well, hey, I mean, uh, no, Ben uh, Ben is doing some really great work. Uh uh, but, uh, you know, with regards to uh, me personally, uh, I'm more still of the traditional sense, but I think uh, I think I'm a rare breed these days. 
It's, it's interesting, man. Like, I don't, you know, I was telling you guys before we, uh, before we went on, like, I don't, I don't have cable. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing hmm. the TV thing. Uh, I, I do listen to, you know, the station formerly known as 680 uh, in the morning while I'm preparing breakfast for myself and, and helping my wife uh, get the kids ready for school and whatnot. In fact, I got really upset when she put the blender on during the headlines. Oh, is that right? At the top of the hour, I was like, babe, couldn't you have done this during traffic and weather? I don't, I don't need that stuff. I can get it on my, anyways. Um, but I, I just find it, it's, it's such a complex space these days. I think especially, you know, how much we see uh, misinformation and, and disinformation, um, all like the, the realities of what's going on in the world and, and how much of it can be controlled. Uh, again, not to get like too deep on this stuff, but just like when you rely on something like Twitter and the prevalence of bots and how much they can sort of tune the algorithms to, you know, feed you what they want you to see. Like, I just think it's a, it's a really, it's a dark time. And so I think to your point, Randy, Red, you've got your kind of trusted sources that you can kind of stick to. I, I think that's cool. I, uh, you know, for me, it's, it, it is, you know, quick snippets on the radio. And then uh, while I'm having breakfast, I'll break out the iPad and I'll read my, uh, my news feeder. And it, uh, well, it I works think okay. Sorry, I think part of the problem is trying to figure out what trusted source means anymore, too, right? I mean, it's the, who can you trust anymore? Now, you know, I'm flipping through Twitter. I'm say I'm following Chris Johnson or Pierre Lebrun to get my hockey information. Pretty sure they're not bots, but well, to, to, <laughs> sports news say, is definitely a bit different. Sports yeah, news yeah. is different. Yeah. And, you know, political, I try and follow CNN, Fox. I, I try and follow both sides just to get both because it's fun. It's like, Following politics now is like following wrestling. It's, it's just it's just a lot of fun. This is this crazy entertainment. But the question these days is, who is the trusted source, right? I don't know. I don't know. And that's another reason why it's crazy. So Ooh, much divi- so much division now. And journalism is not journalism anymore because nobody is seeking the truth. Very few of them left in, in the world <laughs> who's who's seeking the truth, the actual truth, and will put the actual time in to give you the truth, not based on any political priors, not based on any cultural beliefs. Right. So when you say trusted source, it's, it's, you know, that's a confusing term to me these days too. I I find it, I find it kind of fascinating, Tony, that you, you know, you, you can take the kind of joy or the entertainment aspect out of the news. And for me, it's it, largely, it's infuriating. And that's part of the oh, reason yeah. I spend <laughs> less time on Twitter because it, it just seems like it's, it's a, a platform filled with vitriol and just people being the worst versions of themselves, posturing yeah. or just, again, spreading hateful messages. And uh, I find for myself sure. going further and further into this kind of like, you know, uh, vacuum of <laughs> what I, what I should be seeing. And, uh, I, I don't know if that's the ideal, but I'm definitely not, um, I can't, I can't deal with the, you know, the Fox news stuff. It's, it's too much. It hurts. Right. Well, yeah. And, uh, I, uh, guys, I do want to uh, say courtesy of Apple's color cast app. I want to thank, uh, Zach for, uh, the comment uh, that he just posted and, uh, Zach, uh, is from uh, Ohio. Uh, I've got to uh, know him through color cast and uh, he wrote, uh, people want to be first, not right. Have yeah, the yeah. sound bites instead of the information. And it's something that I completely agree. And 
you know, I think the three of us uh, can attest to uh, that, to the fact that uh, there was a real desire and need and importance to be correct, to check the sources, to uh, not so much uh, sway in terms of opinion. And uh, you know, was that because of social media? Because, uh, and Zach, you could probably comment a lot better than the two of us, that uh, you were in uh, radio uh, uh, with YouTube, with uh, Twitter. Uh, did you see that evolution uh, come where it wasn't so much fact, but it was just so much to get a charge out of the listener? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, I think especially when it came to hosting talk shows, it was, there, there was definitely an importance put on just like having an opinion and like backing that opinion no matter what. And uh, it, it was to the point where I, I, I really felt, you know, often quite uncomfortable, especially when I was, you know, put in situations to talk about things that I was less informed about. Uh, and, and subsequently less opinionated about, um, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a, a medium, I think, in, in, in talk radio, let alone sports radio, when, when everyone listening thinks that they should be in that spot, they, they know more, they know better, right? Like, it's just this kind of like vicious cycle of anxiety, and you've got management that's kind of just pushing you, you, you got to keep going hard, no matter what, just keep going hard. And uh, it's, it's interesting because I remember, you know, especially when I'd be on the sports desk, it was probably around like 2010, the earlier days of, of Twitter. And I realized, you know, we, again, we would have like the news, uh, wire services to feed us our news, what's going on in the sports world and the news world, whatever it may be. And then you've got, you know, your kind of your TSNs and your Sportsnet websites and you're hitting sure. refresh every time you're, you're done your update. You know, I remember, uh, you know, it was a very quick pivot when Twitter became a big source as well. And you're refreshing that again, like, you know, Tony's talking about some of the people that he was following, same deal, like all the reporters on the beat for all the different sports, you're following them, you're seeing who's going to get that tweet out because you're looking for that information to then include in your next update. And they're fast and furious mm -hmm. and you want to get the latest information. And so... You know, I, I can definitely see again, I'm, I'm long since retired from the radio game from the, you know, that side of the media. Uh, so I, I can't speak to how much of a role it plays, but, you know, you're constantly, you know, in that kind of hawk mentality hunting for the newest information on the other side as well from the reporter, right? You want that, you want that first news blast to have your name attached to it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to assume that that's, every uh, journalist out there. I think there are still a lot of people that have a lot of integrity and they want to make sure that they get something right. And they go through the mindfulness of, uh, of validating, you know, whatever uh, news piece that they've, they've got that they want to share. But I think that, you know, <laughs> there are probably many more who are just as eager to, to throw something out there for the sake of stirring the pot, getting the conversation going. I mean, we see it all the time, especially when it comes to sports rumors, right? Whether, whatever the angle may hmm. be, put it out there and see what happens. And it's, it's a dangerous it also, game. It also feels like there, there are more, there are a lot of them. There are experts everywhere, whatever, uh, whatever blog site you can come up yeah. with. Or if you, if you have like a few thousand YouTube followers, you, you might be able to get a pass at the NBA final or something like that. Right. It's just yeah. those chosen few <laughs> sources that we knew growing up, right. Whether you followed hockey or basketball, you knew who they were and that's who you went to. Yeah. But now it seems like it's just, 
exploded and you got and I, I guess it's because of Twitter, because of YouTube, uh, TikTok, you can open up a TikTok account and you're you're a basketball expert, right? So Yeah. But I think I think there's some value in that too, right? Like a, you know, same sort of deal when we talk about, you know, Twitter gaining its popularity, you know, bloggers were often the people that I would often book to come on my shows, uh, especially right. when it came to basketball where coverage wasn't as as robust on the local scene on the, you know, on the um, uh, you know, pre-pro scene when we're talking about like high school talent, Canadians in in college uh, down in the States and whatnot, like you wouldn't have normal traditional coverage in a Toronto star or whatever. And so you'd have these, you know, super hardcore fans that were more knowledgeable than anyone else. And they're the, they're the ones that have, you know, the interesting things to talk about that's going to be different from everyone else. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because that is, that, that is a, a great in, for a lot of people, but to your point, right? Like everyone's got a platform now. So how do you distinguish exactly. you know, the, the real from the, I get, I don't know if fake is, is sure. real. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, yeah, to, to jump, to jump in, I, I distinctly remember uh, seeing on social media of a guy uh, sharing a, uh, a, a social media post of the Raptors considering to play uh the uh season that they eventually played in tampa the rumor was is that uh they were considering louisville kentucky but didn't after the brianna taylor uh killing that social media outlet came from me so uh i am now obviously i am trying to uh you know if i do uh repost a uh a tweet that i i do think like to think that it is coming from a factual source, but uh, if somebody is just so willing to post on their social media pages of uh, a uh, rumor uh, from an uncredited source, let's call it what it is, this is an uncredited platform, then, uh, you know, how much uh, of, uh, you know, unfactual news is uh, being out there and is being believed by, uh, by the millions upon billions, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, Sorry, uh, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say that you have, there are stories out there where you have guys with like five followers who will file a complaint about a certain media company to the sponsors. And that sponsor will stop sponsoring with this media company. I mean, that's, that's how Twitter works now too. There's, there's, there's been a couple of occasions where you've had a guy with five or six followers just throw out there that, such and such should not be sponsoring on this and this because of their beliefs and this and that. And sure enough, that sponsor backs out of the media company. So that impact is real. It's weird to me, but it's real. I think, uh, I think it's safe to say that the, the three of us can remember a time where we uh, may uh, recognize uh, what is not factual news when we were at the grocery store and seeing the national Enquirer like share giving birth to an alien or, uh you know that actually happened though uh, that, that, yeah. That, yeah. excuse me uh, other than that about, one yeah. the, the right. other thing right yeah. i was <laughs> I, I thought i was thinking of somebody else i think it was broke shields <laughs> maybe but uh but uh now uh like you guys were saying before uh you know what is uh what is your trusted news source and i i don't know if you guys want to think uh social media is uh evolved and it's matured uh, I think that there's a long way to go before uh, that actually takes place. But, 
you know, in your opinions, uh, do you think, I guess the first question is, I mean, uh, were we uh, naive to think that uh, news was uh, factual 20 years ago when we were a part of the industry, number one, number two, and if you guys do believe that, because I for one do, do you think it's going to get back to that place? Who you got first? <laughs> whoever go, go whoever wants to jump in. Man, I don't even, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. I think, uh, I think that's a really tough question. Uh, I will probably say that I, I was uh, naive enough to believe that, that most of it was, uh, you know, uh, fact-checked, validated, uh, verified. Um, otherwise, you know, I would not feel comfortable being a part of, of spreading that messaging. Um, uh, if, if it turns out that, they, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I know for myself, <clears throat> you know, I, I came into the news world uh, literally one month before 9-11. And uh, that's when I think especially the 24-hour news coverage became, you know, incredibly necessary, right? There was the the hunger for information uh, that was, you know, very difficult to uh, to satisfy. And we would just be glued to CNN and, you know, following everything, following all the channels. We would, you know, record all the newscasts and, you know, take, take stock of who was saying what and whatnot. And then you hand it over to the editor and the editor chooses kind of what, what, you know, is worth tracking down. And, you know, I, I think there is a measure of, especially when you're, when you're talking about like real uh, world events that yes, uh, some of it, some of the kind of truths may be sacrificed for the purposes of, you know, expediency, getting the messaging out quickly. Um, but I, I'm not going to believe that it was with, uh, you know, malice, right? It wasn't with malicious intent. It wasn't to, uh, to spread uh, misinformation. Um, whereas now I think there, there's obviously a lot more of that, a lot more disinformation coming from various sources to try and, you know, uh, create particular narratives, um, especially when there is, you know, global conflicts. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 would, I would still like to believe that the majority of news outlets will, uh, you know, do their due diligence and ensure that, you know, accuracy is is respected. I think, uh, um, sorry, Tony, sorry, please, please. No, I just, uh, I think it'll be very tough to get back to where it once was. Very, very tough. It's just the division in our culture and our society right now is I, like I've never seen before in my 46 years on earth. So it's, it's basically... <laughs> it's the it's, news it's, as entertainment piece, like the... Sorry, do I... Say that again. Do you think that's because like news has become entertainment in that sense? I, I don't know if it's entertainment or more. It's just you know who stands on what side of the political aisle, and there's never going to be it, it, there's never going to be an in between, right? If we come to a time where we can get right right wing people on CNN as regulars in order for that conversation to happen between the two sides, and the same thing with Fox, if you can get you know left wing people on Fox and have them hash things out and spit. But there is just, there seems to be so much division and so much invested in 
protecting their political priors, their narratives, right? Like you see it. And mm-hmm. I never, Sensationalized, and, yeah. and let me tell you something. I was never into this shit until COVID. And all of a sudden, really? there, was no, there, there was no sports. So <laughs> I had no other choice. I, I was just following politics and culture and wondering what the hell was going on with COVID and, and have, you know, we've had our battles uh, Randy, you and I on, on the whole COVID subject and Certainly. just trying to, you know, make sense of it all. And that's when I was exposed to this more than ever, because before that, I'd never really paid attention to it. So like the last two, three years have really, really, it's, it's captured my attention. And it's just, it's fascinating to me where we've gotten. And it's a bit of a shame because I think we all like this industry and journalism is about the truth. Like I've said before, and I just, I don't know if we have a lot of honest people left uh, in the industry. Well, I, no, I completely uh, agree with that. And uh, there was one comment uh, on Bob McCowan's uh, roundtable, coincidentally enough. And uh, if you uh, know the name Eric Thomas, he is a anchor. Raceline Radio? No. Uh, oh, no, no. The, no, the anchor for Sportsnet. The other race. Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, the other Eric Thomas. Yeah. Because the other the, Eric uh, Thomas. Yes. Yeah. The radio uh, race line guy. Yeah. His name is Eric Thomas. But uh, he was born in Atlanta, went to Mizzou uh, for university and uh, obviously moved here to Canada. And he said something that really stuck with me as an American, uh, seeing American media and uh, the, the roundtables, the discussion panels, like Tony said, CNN, Fox, Thomas said, uh, something that w- will always stick to me and that people in his country have forgotten how to disagree. And uh, you see uh, the times that I do see somebody uh, crossing over the aisle, quote unquote, to go to Fox News and the other way for CNN, that it usually ends in an argument where uh, nothing gets solved. And, uh, you know, between uh, COVID and other sports issues of a social sense, you know, Tony and I have had uh, some really great discussions and we've had differing opinions and we're not going at each other to uh, try and convince one uh, each other one way or the other. It's just, you know, grown adults having a conversation. And that is the bottom line. And I, I think the executive producers and the uh, owners of these radios, uh, these television stations don't see a value in that, especially a monetary one. Well, I was going to say, and that's, that's what I'm kind of referring to as like news as entertainment news being sensationalized, right? Because those, you know, those disagreements, which reach the eyes of mil- tens of millions of people, especially when we're talking about those big American networks, right? They're seeing that kind of, uh, you know, conduct, and it becomes normalized. That's that's the way conversations go because this is what I'm what I'm seeing in front of me on my television. Um, you know, it. it I, I think that's you know. I don't know. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's. Uh, I think the reason is because it is entertaining. It is fascinating, just like Tony was talking about about you know it being like watching wrestling, right? It's the same thing. You're you're watching combatants go at it. And they're not trying to find a resolution. They're just trying to speak over one another and make mm-hmm. their point heard more, better, stronger, because they're right. There's no concession. There's no agreement at the end of the day. It's like they're just going to go until the segment is done or until someone's cut off 
and you, you know, you move on to the next bit. Uh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, is it going to change to, uh, what it once was, uh, in a more simpler time? And I, I do actually mean that it seems that as difficult as it was to be in my early twenties, for example, it seems to be a hell of a lot harder to be oh, the yeah. same age today. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hey, guys, why don't we uh, talk a little uh, basketball? Yes, I'm feeling very dystopian. I'm just like. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hey, uh, you know, we're here to talk hoops and uh, uh, the NBA finals is set. The Golden State Warriors have made the uh, championship series for the sixth time in eight years. And I'm just really fascinated with this uh, Warriors team, guys. I mean, uh, this was a team that really didn't accomplish a heck of a lot. I can remember, I'm sure the two of you can remember as well, an incredible dunk that Baron Davis had over Andre Karolenko, I believe it was, uh, all those years ago. Uh, And that was really uh, the only uh, uh, interesting thing that came out of Oakland. And then uh, to the chagrin of Knicks fans, uh, uh, they drafted uh, Stephen Curry uh, when Knicks fans uh, were drafting uh, immediately after. That being said, Steph Curry has just been absolutely running it. Well, uh, we'll get to him in a minute, but, uh, you know, uh, Tony. He's lost over the first few years when he was just unable to play at all due to injury after injury. And, and uh, you know, the Warriors were, were still, you know, not what they thought he would be. And, and people were questioning Steph and, and his ability. And then obviously he's healthy and he just, you know, well, changes the game well how, how can you how can you uh how can you uh not question Stephen Curry I mean where is Davidson College uh who was Clay Thompson uh during uh the NCAA let alone Draymond Green uh no they didn't have a lot of fanfare out of college and I could not uh I can't recall where Clay went to school I know that uh Green went to Michigan State but uh uh or was it even Michigan? No, it was Michigan State. Yeah, sorry. But, uh, I mean, that's exactly my point. And uh, now he's the uh, – Steph Curry is the greatest uh, uh, three-point shooter in league history. Uh, you know, uh, to talk about the Warriors and this uh, legacy that Steph created, uh, you know, first things first, uh, the conversation of the Warriors being a dynasty is uh, – you know, that that term dynasty just means so much. And, you know, uh, uh, as recent as like a month or two ago, I was of the opinion that a dynasty is multiple championships in a consecutive stretch that uh, you're talking about the Canadians from the uh, from way back in the day to the New York Islanders winning four in a row. You could even put in the New York Yankees for uh, winning three World Series uh, before the turn of the century. Um, Tony, for the Golden State Warriors to make six finals in eight champ in eight seasons. They obviously won three of them. Is that a dynasty to you? Yes, I, I've moved my needle for dynasties now. When you take in salary caps and the way players move around now, so I I would call them a pretty solid run and, and dynasty of a of a team. By the way, the Golden State Warriors guys are now fourth as uh, in terms of most valuable franchise, according to Forbes, they're at, they, they right. just passed, they passed the launch, uh, the Los Angeles uh, Lakers. So they're, sorry, the, they're for, the fourth, the fourth most valuable franchise in sports in sports. Okay. I was wondering, in it was sports. For the league. not in the NBA in sports, like so, uh, Real, Real Madrid's on the list. Barcelona's on the list. Liverpool. 
So that's and then it's the same. golden. So the Warriors are over the New no, York it's, Yankees. It's Cowboys, Yankees, Knicks, and then Warriors. So amazingly, okay. the New York Knicks are still Do you the have most that list? I'm curious where the Lakers are. The Lakers are right below uh, the the Warriors. Wow. Okay. Wow. By one million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember so sorry, hearing uh, that. Sorry, uh, this is North American sports franchises. No, no. I, I just no. told you that Barcelona, Madrid, they're on the they're on the list as well. Liverpool. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so they're below. Okay, wow. Okay. That's pretty wild. My goodness. Crazy, eh? Yeah. You wonder if that's they've, sustainable though. I mean, like they've, they've come not a long play way forever. No. But I mean, I guess they have the new arena. Everything is everything is expensive now. TV deals are incredible. Uh, it obviously good things come to an end. But yes, to answer your question, sorry, Randy, I I, I would call <laughs> them a dynasty. I would. Zach, what are your thoughts? I would, I would not call them an active dynasty. I think they're they're kind of dynasty period. Now, obviously, if they go on another stretch here, sure. But I think you've still got like what was it? I guess like. I don't know. A two-year gap between finals appearances is. Mm-hmm. I'd consider it like a small stretch, but you know the the period of time you know ending with the the Raptors title, I think was the the end that was of that dynasty. The first dynasty. That's yeah. fair enough. And I think this is kind of like a you know a bit of an ellipsis or a, yeah. or a dotted line to mm-hmm. potentially you know if they were to go back to the final, whatever happens this time, I do think. Winning a title is imperative to being part of a dynasty, to having a dynasty. And, you know, that stretch of, what was it, three and three and four. Um, and then, the you know, the finals appearances of, uh, what was, I guess it would have been, what, four and, and five. Yes. And that's absolutely a dynasty. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, 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 Steph, uh, Steph Curry uh, was uh, hurt. Uh, Clay Thompson experience. Uh, he was out for two seasons. Of course, he uh, yeah. uh, what was it? Two calendar years after uh, Game Six of the uh, NBA Finals with the Raptors. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. It's my bad. But you have to wonder if. Um, and, and you mentioned, and it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting take, Zach, because uh, yeah, there was uh, two years where they did not make the finals. Of course, uh, everything in the world was uh, turned upside down. But uh, is that a continuation because of the players that they still have on the team? Obviously, one key uh, piece is not there, and that was Kevin Durant. But uh, is this the second uh, leg of this dynasty, uh, however many legs there are? I think it. I think it depends on what happens. Well, what happens this year if they if they manage to beat the Celtics, uh, which I I don't think they will uh, do. Um, if you know if they're back in it again, then sure we can call this a second leg. But I, I still think you know regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the, uh, I, I don't I don't know I don't know if I want to outright dismiss it actually as a regardless because you know admittedly when you were talking about the key players, right? The, the clay, the Steph, the Draymond, right? Like they're still there. Uh, admittedly, I, I, I kind of chalk up the concept of a dynasty to the franchise more so than the parts that contribute to the success of that franchise. But I don't know, maybe I, maybe I have to reconsider that. Yeah. This is this. Yeah. I was just thinking this is a rare one because of the injuries you mentioned, Randy. I think it's just, they missed some key players for a long period of time, which enabled them to kind of 
regroup, refresh, make the Wiggins trade, draft the uh, what's his name? Pool. James. Oh, Jordan Pool, but uh, Jordan. they also drafted James Wiseman. But uh, yeah, Wiseman. Jordan Wiseman. Uh, so they kind of retooled there, but I think those injuries is what was the cause of the hiccup. Well, I think, uh, yeah, Kevin Durant would say the same, right? <laughs> you know, still, <laughs> still, yeah. Anyways, we we don't need to get into. But I mean, that 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 is, uh, you know, you just stumbled on my next point, Zach, because uh, that first championship that the Warriors won, it was an inexperienced team. But uh, they came across a Cavs team that didn't have a healthy Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love. Uh, the season that they won 73 games was without Kevin Durant, but they didn't win the championship. And then they went two in a row with Kevin Durant. So, you know, uh, of course, uh, we will never know the answer to if the Warriors win the championship without KD. But with that core there, I mean, they're definitely going to Springfield uh, when their careers are over in the Hall of Absolutely. Fame. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I guess in the end, and, you know, uh, as Tony mentioned, uh, the value of this franchise, like, is that sustainable? I, you know, I could only imagine that the San Antonio Spurs were really uh, high on that list. I don't think they're there these days. No, I mean, they had, they had the, like, what was it? The best run in professional sports before the Pats. And, uh, you know, I, well, I another like, team too, the Patriots. And now, like, uh, and now the yeah. Penguins, but I digress. Well, yeah. Uh, Tony's a Penguins fan. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I don't think, I mean, you know, the NBA and, and really all of professional sports are, are built in a way to try and curb that level of, consistent well consistent dominance anyways right like the idea is to strive for parity um and so I, I you know i i think it's great for the history books but bad for the you know competitiveness if if you sure. do sustain that and so the nba is going to do whatever it can in this instance to try and level the playing field i think it, it it's much more of a compelling product when you do have more competition um and I, so I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's not sustainable. I love, you know, I love watching Steph play. I think, uh, you know, the Warriors doing great is wonderful to see. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anyone expects it to be sustainable beyond like even this is, is somewhat unexpected. Um, yeah. And I don't think it needs to be, I, you know, I like the idea of turning the page. Well, I like when you're that. when you're asking. Oh, sorry. When you're asking sustainable, are you talking about their value as a franchise, or what? You know, how long is this team going to dominate? Or I'm, I'm, I was conf- I was sorry. Like their or their competitive nature is that? Oh, okay. Because no, no, no. Like, uh, sorry. Please go ahead. No, I'm just saying you're not <laughs> going to be on top forever. I don't think the San Antonio Spurs were ever one of the more valuable franchises from a value standpoint. What they were mm. worth. But their business model is probably good enough that could keep them up there. I mean, right? They they've probably built a nice a nice following for themselves. But of course, all good things come to an end. They're not going to dominate forever. Or th- I'm, and I'm curious. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, no, really, no, no, but no. I'm curious in terms of like the value of the franchise. How much of that change? You talk about the new arena, right? When you go from Oakland. To, to San Francisco, San Francisco, right? Yeah, like that's a, a geographically. It's there's not much difference, but as far as like value goes, 
Absolutely. It's significant. It's so, a different world, right? Completely yeah. different world. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you said that some things, uh, you know, don't last forever. Well, uh, ask Leaf fans because uh, there's been a long streak of nothing happening for the last 50 plus years. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, Steph uh, himself, uh, where does he rank in terms of the grand scheme of things? Uh, When I hear of the best in league history, uh, you think of Jordan you think of Kareem, you think of obviously LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, is Steph Curry, is he forgotten or is he, are people just waiting to see what he could still accomplish? Because I mean, LeBron James, although uh, his uh, sunset is a lot sooner, I think, than Steph, uh, to me, Steph Curry has just blown so many people away. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it's, it's so true that he definitely doesn't get nearly the amount of acclaim uh, as a LeBron, uh, you know, a Jordan or Kareem, you know, whatever. Uh, I think it's even in like, I don't know, in the modern day game, right? Do we, is Steph even talked about that much? Admittedly, like my, my nose isn't in those conversations as, as closely as it was. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but I, I feel like he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, right? From uh, you know a stylistic standpoint and changing the game, I think there's probably a little bit more conversation around Steph in that regard. But from a success standpoint, all the chips and and what he has been able to do with that team, uh, I, I I don't think there's there's nearly enough love shown for uh, for Steph. Tony, is it people? Is it? Is it because people just look at him as a shooter and nothing else, maybe? I'm wondering. I'm thinking about that because, you know, you take a look at a guy like Jordan. You take a look at a guy like Julius Irving. Uh, I mean, uh, how many times uh, uh, do we see uh, Julius Irving's, uh, you know, uh, uh, windmill dunk? Uh, uh, all of uh, uh, what uh, everything that Jordan can do uh, in the air. Uh, however, Steph Curry created the conversation of moving the three-point line back. Uh, you know, he's the greatest uh, uh, three-point shooter in NBA history. Uh, and it's just getting to the point where now people are taking shots at a consistent basis at the logo of uh, the court. So uh, how, how can, uh, how can he not be a part of that conversation? Like, as the last time I check, a three-point shot is uh, worth more than a dunk. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think he, you know, he, he has literally changed the game. I think we're seeing more and more players, uh, you know, push their shots back. I think as anyone who's watching the Raptors games, you know, sees Van Vliet taking shots from you know four feet out, right? And that's that's because you can, and you can because you practice that, and you practice that because you see Steph doing that years ago. And he normalized what would have been, you know, previously just the the crazy shots that you do in the playground when you're goofing off with your friends. You don't take those shots in a game, right? But when you see Steph just go to town, like catching fire, NBA Jam style, torching nets from <laughs> infinite distance, <laughs> right? Like you want to replicate that. And when you've got a generation of talent thinking that that is attainable, 
they're going to just keep jacking up those shots. And then as they grow older and evolve and become professionals, those shots become normalized. You have to have that conversation about pulling back the three-point line. And, you know, Steph is, uh, he's definitely at the forefront of that. He is a remarkable human being. Okay. Now, does that make the game better if a bunch of people are trying to do what only Steph can do though? Does it, does it not cheapen the game a bit? This is, it's just me asking a question because I don't watch basketball as much as I once did. And um, I, and I think I, it's, and that's the argument I hear sometimes about, yes, he's phenomenal. He's great. But the fact like to your point, Zach, the fact that you have a bunch of these kids who want to duplicate that and can't have, we become too reliant on the three pointer as part of the game. You know, I guess it, you know, it, I, I think that's a matter of preference, right? Like if you respect absolutely, the skill yeah. and the shot, then yeah. I think if you're, if you're still, you know, crafting up plays to, to make, you know, smart shots, however deep they are, I think that's, you know, wildly entertaining. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it cheapening it. I think, you know, when you see players maybe abusing the three point shot and yes, it's, it's definitely less entertaining when you see a, a team, hucking them from deep and they're connecting on like, you know, 20%, uh, you know, you want to see a little bit more uh, variance in the approach, but I think as, as long as, you know, it's done in a respectful way, as long as you're making those shots, as long as you can kind of see the skill in it uh, where it's, it's sort of taken away the notion of luck, then yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all part of the game. To me personally, I am of the opinion that, a power forward or a center. I knew you were going to bring that. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were going to go the other way. <laughs> I, no. I thought you were bringing the Eric Montrose back. You want oh. one of the big clunky seven footers to, uh, to jam up the paint. Well, honestly, I, I think that there is something to that, Zach. I really do. Because when I saw Siakam try to, uh, you know, jack up threes, especially while he was in Tampa, uh, when uh, uh, Gasol's last uh, days as a Raptor, he was always hanging out at the three-point line. And how many three-point shooters do you actually need? I mean, I guess, um, you know, for what it is, yeah, it's going to be hard cool. to block uh, a Kevin Durant when he's at the three-point line. Uh, and But when they don't make it, who's grabbing that, uh, that glass? So yeah. I think that there still is value in a Jonas Valanciunas, for example, oh. uh, like a, <laughs> yeah. a banger, like uh, just because somebody needs to get those boards because, you know, you're only yeah. going to make, you're probably going to be missing uh, six of your uh, 10 shots uh, from three if you're lucky. Wanna, yeah. So I bring up the, the Jonas stats because I feel like he, he chucks as well. And he does. Yeah. I know that uh, especially his last days in Toronto, he was, uh, starting to get a feel for it. Uh, I don't believe uh, Rudy Gobert is much of a three-point shot, but yeah, for, for a guy like Ben Simmons, for example, here's a guy who could handle the ball. Uh, uh, he has a, a great defensive presence, and uh, he's getting uh, ripped for not having a three-point game. And it's like, how many more things does a guy have to do? And yeah, it's. I, I think you're right, right? But uh, you know, the the key is uh, is how much can you stretch, right? Because the alternative is you are kind of clogging up space in the middle, and the point is you you spread it out. It's the it's the pace and space game of today, and you need to have a shot. 
whether you know it's uh, you're a three point threat or just uh, you know a concern if you leave open, I think are, are two different things. Um, I think I think it's important in today's game that everyone can shoot, uh, let alone from distance. But I don't think you need to be you know on the verge of uh, vying for a spot in the three point contest as a big man. <laughs> yeah certainly uh so uh from beyond uh the warriors and uh the value of the three uh three point uh uh three point shot in the uh, game guys i'd uh really love to talk about uh this uh current raptors team and it was mm-hmm. quite an exciting year for uh the team of the north as they uh, surprised a lot of people. I, for one, thought that they were going to make the play-in tournament. I did not think that they were going to uh, finish where they did, which was in fifth uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, uh, well, Zach, I mean, uh, you had uh, spent a lot of time uh, along the sidelines there as a reporter in your uh, reporter days. And, uh, you know, uh, in terms of... Uh, well, actually, I'd love to get your thoughts first. Uh, you know, you saw some really lean years uh, as a Raptors reporter. Uh, yeah, it was during the stretch where uh, Toronto did not win a playoff series. And uh, here they are uh, after uh, not only a few playoff wins, but uh, that golden trophy uh, at, uh, at so, the yeah, end of the Put it in the context uh, for those who happen to not follow my AM radio career uh, <laughs> a decade ago. Uh, so I was I was covering the team basically through the like Bosch Bargnani years, uh, Colangelo, uh, the uh, you know um, consistent mediocrity. Uh, you know, Tony, you were talking about Jalen Rose, right? Like you know, kind of those days, the the ins and outs, the lack of consistency. Um, obviously the, you know, the onset of DeMar, uh, but I left right before Lowry came aboard. And so that's obviously when the success, uh, started to come. So you, so you were the reason why they, uh, they didn't, uh, make it right. (laughs) I I mean, honestly, I thought about it. I, 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 (laughs) you know, I, I grew up and, uh, you know, playing sports. I think a lot of people growing up playing sports have that kind of superstitious bone in them. And, uh, I, I felt, uh, a I felt a something inside me that that made me feel somewhat responsible. Um, I what was what was the question? <laughs> I remember the rap. <laughs> no, I, uh, the they were bad, and then my brain kind of shut off. Well, actually, uh, Zach, I, I truthfully, uh, you know, you were one of the uh, the very few uh, uh, people that I uh, got to know of, of, of very few friends who actually was basketball first, and. Uh, um, well, dare I say, maybe basketball only. I know that you all obviously have a an appreciation Accurate. for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an appreciation yeah. for all sports. But uh, yeah, you were all about ball. And yeah. uh, for you to experience, uh, you know, covering the Raptors the way that you did, like uh, my experiences uh, covering not only the Raptors, but the Leafs and the, uh, and the Blue Jays as an intern, uh, they were some of the greatest uh, memories that I have, period. And but you got to experience so much more. And then uh, you obviously moved away from radio. Uh, and here's, uh, you know, this love that you have for this franchise and they made it to the top. I, for one, didn't think it was possible. Uh, love to know what your you thoughts could. were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was wild. I mean, honestly, like first off, um, yeah, 100%. I, I was so fortunate to get to cover this team for like, 
seven years. I talked to my, you know, my kids about it all the time. I just took my daughter to her first game this season. It was actually the game where the speaker caught fire. And so we were only there for one and a half quarters. Um, But it was, you know, it's, it's amazing to be able to kind of share some of those stories and have the access and insight, especially as a fan. I mean, in those days when the Raptors were the epitome of not good, you know, I got to sit courtside and watch these guys like every other night at home. And it was unbelievable. As, as kind of messy as the product was, it was just so much fun. And to get to talk to these players again, it was it was very bizarre because you obviously have to be super professional and whatnot. But as like the fan inside me, I was just like, holy oh, shit, this is fucking amazing. Like, all the time. <laughs> and um it was wild. And obviously, you know, when it came to the title, uh, we were in L.A. I say we I was, you know, at a gaming convention with a whole bunch of uh, people from our studio. We had just announced this game called Watch Dogs Legion. We had oh, a great right. E3. That was what was going on in L.A. And obviously it's the Raptors and Warriors. And I was watching at a restaurant. It was actually it was game six. No, it would have been game five, I guess. Me and a guy who started on the same day as me at Ubisoft Toronto, who also used to work on Raptors.com, and he would sit courtside with me covering this horrible no basketball kidding. team. And here we are, both working for an entirely different company in a completely different industry, watching the Raptors in the NBA Finals. And both of us were just kind of like in awe of what it was that we were watching, never thinking that this was even possible. I remember how many shows I would host and people would be so upset that the Raptors weren't in like the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you can't make it in the second round, and I would always have the same sort of mindset. And maybe it was just because I was so attuned to mediocrity and and effectively failure, where I'd always just say like, look, there can only be one champion. What are the chances that it's going to be your team. It's one in 30, but then it's further stacked against you if you're not in a market that is, you know, appealing and you can't get the free agents. And really, they didn't have like the first class organization chops to do that quality scouting. All the draft picks were hit and miss and stuff. But now you see where they're at under Maasai and the credibility they've got and the smarts that they've gotten, just how well tuned this organization is. To me, you talk about, you know, you were thinking play in at best this season i don't know mm-hmm. I, I think i flipped entirely because now i'm full-blown optimist and i definitely envisioned uh you know a, a pretty high seed not necessarily home court but i was just kind of looking at the last year in tampa the raptors are the only team that had to play every game on the road effectively yeah. this was still very close to being the team that you know had great success up until the bubble and so I'm like, yeah, no, this team can do it. And I obviously I expected a little bit more from, uh, uh, you know, our boy um, Flynn, uh, Malachi Flynn. I kind of <laughs> assumed that that would be on a, you know, on a, on a trajectory. Did not expect Scotty Barnes to be as great as Scotty was. Um, you know, I, I obviously we all saw flashes of of Precious at the start of the season. We're like, wow, sure. that guy like the mobility, the, you know, everything like it, it's, it's there, the hands weren't quite there and he couldn't really finish, but then he just kind of like put it together in the last stretch of the season. I'm like, I'm all in on this team. I thought this was one of the more entertaining teams, Raptors teams that I've, I've ever watched. And obviously it was very challenging as far as like health and, you know, people coming in and out of the lineup, all the, you know, changeable pieces, but I'm, I'm super stoked about watching this team going forward. 
And, you know, you uh, touched on uh, the fact that, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, a desirable place to uh, to play and, uh, you know, what kind of uh, credibility this was as a franchise. Tony, uh, you are, of course, a big soccer fan. You're a Toronto FC season seed holder. You and I have lifted a glass many times at being a field. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, of course, the, uh, the uh, president CEO uh, was uh, Tim Laiwiki who brought in Masai Ujiri. And how much do you think, uh, he was only here, give or take uh, 18 months of that. Yeah, a year and a half or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, how much do you think he is still responsible for uh, not only the Raptors' success, but even Toronto FC? They brought in Lorenzo Insigne. And, uh, uh, I think know. he was also responsible for Shanahan. Or Shanahan, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah no. Was. Sure. Sure. I mean, name it. it. I, yeah. Tony. I mean, even even though the Leafs have had their struggles in the playoffs, th that franchise is a hell of a lot more stable now than it was prior to his arrival. I think he's had a huge impact on all three clubs, and I think the fact that Masai Jerry has chosen to stay is is a huge, huge, huge boost for for the franchise. Um. I'm just as optimistic as, as Zach was, but going into the season, I didn't give them much of a chance. I mean, you say play, and I, I thought they would take a step back this year. So I was thoroughly surprised the way the season turned out. One question I have for you, mm -hmm. uh, both of you, what is OG Ananobi at this stage in his career? I want to like him. I really do. I really want to like him, but he lets me down a lot. So explain to me what he is. Which portion of him lets you down? And, and, and I, I, I yeah. just don't. Doesn't it feel like he should give you more every game? Like this, he's doesn't he? It just feels no. like he leaves a little bit left to be, like a little bit less to be desired. Just I want more from him. Am uh -huh. I wrong? It just it's feels like he lets me down sometimes. Just not complete games consistently, right? And I understand he has injuries issues as well. But man, when that guy's on, he's such a fun player to watch, but it's just, it doesn't seem like it's consistent. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think you're definitely correct. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, people uh, think of this seriously, but you think of his demeanor, you think of his size and so on. I mean, are people thinking his quiet, peculiar demeanor, demeanor is, similar to Kawhi Leonard are they expecting him to be that kind of guy I really hope not uh but uh you know when he is able to uh to hit from the uh outside uh when he's able to uh you know uh, uh collect boards and so on and uh you know uh, uh, really have that kind of defensive presence I think that there is uh uh, a reason why uh Toronto uh signed him uh for for four years but uh uh, yeah, no, I, I completely hear what you're saying is that sometimes, uh, you know, his play on the court is as quiet as him, uh, period. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when you want him to be, be as loud as his scarves, right? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, but, you know, you have to think that Zach, I mean, uh, that he was starting, that he is starting very, very slowly now during the uh, during the championship season. He had an appendicitis. He had uh, some personal issues going on as well, but uh, you know uh, that uh, that the the uh, uh, cohesion he obviously had with uh, Serge Ibaka. You mentioned uh, you know the uh, this 
wild scarves and the wild fashion sense <laughs> that uh, Serge brought that he yeah. is starting to uh, come out of his shell a little bit, but it's a really, really slow process. Yeah, we got we, we got Dan jumping in right now. I don't know. I don't know if right Dan on. can jump right into the deep end of the pool talking about OG. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, Dan Legere is uh, joining us. Uh, he is uh, uh, the, uh, the one third of uh, uh, the radio broadcasting uh, excellence uh, that was Seneca's art uh, radio program in 2004. And uh, Dan uh, is just coming back from uh, coaching his son's baseball game. Dan, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, you know, uh, what happened in the game? First question. What? <laughs> well, it was it was a dominant performance, and I'll I'll have you know that our one of our seven year olds, Preston, hit a grand slam kid. It was, it was oh, a big event, and we nice. came away with uh, with a 10-7 win. Now, did he uh, did he actually muscle one out of the uh, infield? Like uh, define uh, like the kind of power that young Preston has. <laughs> Truthfully, he like the, the way the seven year olds play, they sort of all line up along the, the infield line. So you have like two third basements, two short stops, all that stuff. There's maybe one rover in the outfield, but he hit it over everybody's head, didn't land on the grass, but it landed uh, it went over everybody's head and rolled into the outfield uh, with enough time for him to round the bases and, uh, and bring us home a win. It was great. Right Shout on. Shout out right. to Preston. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, uh, Dan, thank you, thank you so much for hopping on. We are talking Raptors now, and uh, mm-hmm. Tony brought up the question of uh, OG Ananobi, and I don't know how uh, how much you want to, uh, you know, uh, I guess in, like in terms of uh, the future, I actually did see uh, something on uh, social media about uh, him potentially being rumored to be. Don't, don't bring that to- up. And, and uh, Dano uh, missed uh, the uh, beginning of us, uh, of the uh, legitimacy of uh, news these days, but uh, <laughs> there well, is. Hey, it was on social media. Well, yeah, I, I know, but I mean, like I was creating a dialogue. I get, I was I get saying... the sense that, uh, sorry, I get the sense that Zach is a big OG fan. I, I do like OG and and I like I like OG a lot. I I can obviously appreciate your uh, I think your frustration. I think we all feel that. I think it's more like role definition than skill or or anything like that. I think you know they Raptors really need to find out what they want from OG on a consistent basis because some nights they're they're you know they're clearly going to him more than others. Some nights he you know is is willing to shoot. Uh, with a lot more assertiveness, and then other nights he's just comfortable, kind of, you know, playing back seat, you know. Um, mm. So I think it, it's really probably some stern conversations, and and really nailing down, okay, what does what does OG look like next to Pascal Siakam, night in and night out? Uh, what does that look like on the offensive end? What does it look like when they're on the defensive side? Right, like, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't. I don't. I haven't spoken to too many people that just straight up don't like OG. I think he's. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't dislike him either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to see him do well. Yeah. Because you can yeah. see it. He's good. Yeah. You talk about his demeanor. I like his demeanor. I like his yeah. calmness on the court. He's the, like, he's the coolest guy on the Raptors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah. And I like that. But I just yeah. don't know what he is still. It's weird. Like it's. Yeah. He's been around for a while, right? I think that, you know, a, a part of that is it's certainly like the 30 missed games every year, whatever, whatever it is. I think that really hurts as far as cohesion. That's, uh, you know, more than a third of the season. 
Um, and health has always been an issue with him, but, uh, you know, we have definitely seen in stretches, uh, on the offensive side, certainly what he, what he's capable of doing. And I think, again, not to suggest that everyone's development path is linear. Um, but I think we, we've seen, you know, pretty solid improvement from him every year. Well, I mean, Daniel, uh, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, where you think a guy like uh, OG Ananobi fits uh, for the uh, future. I mean, uh, to me, uh, you know, do you need a guy like OG Ananobi when you have a guy like Gary Trent Jr. Uh, Jr. on the uh, uh, team already? Uh, the, there definitely seems to be a need for uh, the center position. Uh, what do you think, Dano, uh, in terms of OG? I don't know that anybody's untouchable on this Raptors team. Uh, you know, I, I, there's there's definitely a lot to like about OG's game and what he brings and, and the type of character that I think, you know, Masai likes. And, you know, forgive me if this has all been discussed already, but I think he fits well into the Raptors um, culture more than, you know, he might fit into their needs on the court. Um, you know, even Pascal... Um, Van Vliet, all of them. I think at this point, you know, I, I don't know that anybody is your franchise guy to build around and a guy that you know needs to stick around through, you know, whatever kind of rebuild that they're going to attempt. And rebuild's maybe not even the right word. You know, I don't know that they're, you know, anywhere near tank mode. You know, they've got some some solid pieces, and they're obviously still a competitive team. And OG's part of that. You know, he's um, he's a hardworking guy who can you know he can give you serviceable minutes, who can. Uh, uh, you know, represent the city well and then be an ambassador, which seems to be important to, to MLSC. So, you know, it, but at the same time, I don't know that anybody would, uh, would, would shed a tear if you were to be, to be moved out. So you know, probably make of that what you will. I, I think Zach would. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm pretty sure the rookie of the year isn't going anywhere either, Dan. Uh, no, I don't think. Yeah, he's probably untouchable right now. Yeah, I know. Sure. Like, uh, in terms of a franchise guy, like I know that uh, Scotty Barnes has uh, had the best season of a rookie uh, this past season, winning rookie of the year. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of uh, analysts, a lot of former players just marvel at his play and everything else. I mean, like he has the personality to fit, especially in this town. Uh, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, could Scotty Barnes be that guy? I don't think so, truthfully. You don't Why? think so, Dan? Well, based on no. – okay, so hang on, hang on, hang on. So <laughs> I, I, I think we can probably all agree that Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time. Oh, no. That's – well, we, we had this conversation on an, a previous episode, and yeah. I, I pick I pick Kyle Lowry as well. You do pick Lowry? Uh, Dan, did, uh, what, yeah. what about you? Uh, what did you uh... – what yeah, you, I don't remember what I did. Uh, yeah. I smoke a lot of pot sometimes. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> what I chose, but uh, he's up there. That's for sure. But I don't want to derail the conversation. But he's up there. Well, no, I think you need, you need you need to establish who the greatest raptor of all time is to determine whether Scotty Barnes has the potential of dethroning them. Do you not? Well, yeah, sure. And uh, at the top of the pyramid, Zach, and it kills me to say this, it's Vince Carter. Oh. It is Vince Carter because. Because, and, uh, you know, uh, as we were having the discussion, uh, Tony, Dan, and myself, uh, as well as uh, Frank DeFrenza, uh, he, uh, people who had Raptors tickets, I don't think, went to Scotiabank, Air Canada Centre, to see Kyle Lowry play. I think that 
that uh, between Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, fans flock to DeMar a lot more. And I think that Kyle Lowry, without a doubt, is the most accomplished, has accomplished the most anybody has. But Vince Carter, maybe maybe my uh, thought process is skewed because because he was the first one to do it. But, I mean, look at today, so many years after that. I mean, he uh, left the Raptors in 2004. How many times do we see kids today wearing a Vince Carter Raptors jersey? We're never going to see that uh, throwback sort of jersey. Uh, Like, in, in terms of a Kyle Lowry jersey, I mean, who within Toronto is going to? Uh, I mean, that's uh, one of the many examples that I could. I don't know. I to. see a lot of Kyle Lowry jerseys. I see a lot of Kyle. I got it outside of Toronto. <laughs> I see them in Cuba all the time. Are they um, Canadians? Well, <laughs> well, well they've given be. them to the Cubans. <laughs> so that means I mean, you must I, you see. Uh, that means you must see uh, Buffalo Bills Super Bowl champion uh, T-shirts as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony, that was not a dig. I, I mean, Tony is also a Bills fan as well. No, so. that was, no that's okay. That's okay, right? It's the last time I'm on this show. Love you, but Zach, I mean, uh, where do you think? Uh, what, what do you think about my thought process here? I mean, I, first off, I you know I understand the logic. I think as someone who grew up in the Vince era, I hold VC on a, a super high level as well. But I think you know, you have to establish success as a significant uh, criteria in terms of determining who the greatest Raptor of all time is. And, you know, you add in the longevity, the impact, the culture, how much Kyle was responsible for all of that. And I think he has to be at the top of the list. And, and to be honest, I think the, the only thing that you can kind of really say when it comes to Vince being at the top is, you know, an argument that is, uh, you know, something that, that you know, is all going to be subjective, but it, you, know, you know you have to kind of base it on if it weren't for Vince, the Raptors wouldn't exist in Toronto anymore. I can get behind that just because of the, the popularity, right? Um, but success of, of Kyle, again, the, the way that he has impacted this franchise, I think you have to put him at the very top. But I think if we're you know trying to get to the next piece of the conversation, which is where does Scotty Barnes fit? I think it has to be a possibility. Right. I, I put a significant amount of stock in the longevity of Kyle, um, you know, mixed with that success. If if Scotty Barnes sticks around for, you know, nine years, a decade, I think you're very, very likely looking at someone who is going to be, you know, statistically superior in potentially every aspect. Um, you know, from a culture standpoint, I think we, we've seen the Scotty Barnes effect already on the court when he's on the bench, whatever sure. it means, you know, the guy is vibrant. He is ultra yeah. violent, yeah. right? Like this guy's, he, in, he's in an pain. infection. He, he looks like an infectious, just, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see. Right. Yeah. I fell, in, I fell in love with him. I fell yeah. in love with him. Uh, uh, as he was drafted. Drafted. Yeah. Oh, it was just gold. Yeah. And, but, uh, I, I think also, and, uh, maybe it's because, uh, you know, Vince had uh, such a, a low threshold uh, to cross because there wasn't any sort of uh, um, footprint uh, in terms of uh, NBA basketball in Canada. But uh, you see all the players today who have become basketball players in this country, and they all say it's because of Vince. I wonder yeah. if Kyle Lowry could uh, inspire basketball players of tomorrow. I wonder, honestly, if Kawhi Leonard 
could inspire as many as Kyle Lowry did. I really do. I do. Really, I do think that. I mean, you know, uh, because and, uh, you know, as we were talking uh, on that previous episode is that Kyle Lowry definitely does fit the uh, uh, the, the, the love of a Toronto sports fan, like those gritty, uh, you know, put your body out there, kind of uh, that hockey sort of mentality. But, uh, you know, Tony brought up the point as well during that uh, very episode. Um, Kyle Lowry was the captain of the Raptors, 100%. But Kawhi Leonard was the reason why the Raptors won that championship. I don't know if there's one reason. I mean, obviously, he had a historic run. And, you know, the Raptors would not have won the title without him. But, I, you know, you look at what Pascal did during that stretch as well. Like those, those two were incredible, but you look at that, you know, that last game, how many of the first points did Lowry score, right? Like he set the tone when he kicked off that game, you knew, well, maybe you didn't know that they were going to win. the worst. But, you know, he gives you that confidence. And, you know, we saw even with the heat most recently, what happens when, you know, you've got Kyle who isn't at his best and the Raptors had Kyle, at his best, especially, you know, in this last stretch of, of his career and how much he mentored the youth. But I do want to, you know, I, I would like to go back to that, that Vince point just one more sure, time. And please, you talk yeah, about, of course. you know, that, that next generation of Canadian talent, similar to what we were talking about with Steph earlier on, right? When you do something that is so different from the rest of the field, Vince's dunks were beyond electric, right? Like yes. how many of you know, how many of you have the, the Freddie Vice dunk just like etched in your brain? You can visualize everything from the turnaround, almost punching Garnett afterwards. Like that is that is in your brain forever. Right. I, I think the counter to that, the counter to that, though, Zach, of course, is that he was not wearing a Raptor jersey when he did that. Sure. But it's it's Vince. Right. And that that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like the, it's the imagery you've got. It's how much he changed the game. It's how much he made the impossible look like it was something that could be potentially attainable. All of a sudden people are trying dunks with their elbow because they saw this guy do it and it looked crazy. And they're like, you know what? I want to try that. And that's how you, you know, it's not that dunk in particular, but when you've got someone who is, you know, that prevalent on, on highlight reels everywhere and he's wearing your Jersey, no doubt you've got a Corey Joseph and a Tristan Thompson and whoever else may be, you know, this, this current crop, you know, grew up watching the Raptors because of Vince. I, I get that. I think, you know, there's yeah, a lot of transcendence there. But, you know, I, I still don't think that makes him the greatest Raptor. I think that makes him the most entertaining Raptor. Perhaps. Dan, uh, do you uh, by chance have a thought as you uh, thought about it more? Uh, does uh, Do you lean one way to uh, or another in terms of uh, who might be the greatest raptor you don't yeah I, I mean if you don't it's uh cool i think uh i think uh as well though as i mean obviously uh when vince ended his time in toronto it was messy and uh that and they were terrible how much for does, years because of it uh, sure and uh, how much does that play uh, uh a factor and uh, i mean i definitely think that raptor fans may have a different opinion of basketball fans in this country I think that you know, when you see when you think of a basketball fan in Alberta or Nova Scotia, <laughs> as I hack a lung here, maybe they have a, a different opinion of Vince as opposed to uh, 
Raptor fans. Dano, what do you think? It is tough to say. This is way more subjective, you know, than you may have a conversation with uh, the Maple Leafs for sure, just because of their longevity. Like, and you can point to, you know, players who've, you know, played for a long time and compare their stats. The Raptors don't have the luxury of that, um, you know, just length of being a team. Um, and then tier, you know, there's been a lot of fair points made across the table, and, you know, and, and this, this conversation becomes subjective because some of you are talking about, you know, Vince is the greatest because of the impact that he had on the city and on the NBA as a whole when he was a Raptor. Uh, the argument for Kyle is that, you know, he, you know, through his truculence and, and tenacity brought the city a championship with the help of uh, you know, a superstar world-class athlete in Kawhi, who you can make an argument that he's the greatest Raptor because of what he did. And, and if sports is about championships, he, he did everything that, that, that he could in that year when he was, you know, even, even not even playing the full year because he invented load management when he was in Toronto. So, you know, Damon Stoudemire had an incredible impact on this team and, uh, you know, Tracy McGrady and uh, you know, Chris Bosch, all these guys had phenomenal runs in Toronto and meant so much to the franchise in building the fan base to where it is now, you know, arguably paving the way for a guy like Kyle to come in and, you know, and cement his place as one of the greats because he plays the, the way that Torontonians like their sports people to play. You know, we all love, you know, I don't want to we asterisks. We all love Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi. And these guys, because they left them all <laughs> Kyle was the same way. You know, whether or not he was the greatest player, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, he was the, you know, he was the one who, to Tony's point, you know, he might have the, the greatest longevity just because of the time that he arrived, the success that the team had when he was here and the way that he left, you know, he left the hero where we're talking about potentially erecting statues of Kyle Lowry and some sort of mm-hmm. raptor mm-hmm. rope. So, you know, honestly, I, I I don't have an opinion firmly in any one camp um, because I think it's I think it's subjective. And, you know, over time, you know, maybe another 20, 30 years, we might be able to look back and say objectively that Kyle was or wasn't or Vitz was or wasn't uh, the greatest Raptor. But I don't know that you can really answer that or, question. Or Scotty Barnes. Or Scotty Barnes. You never know. Or potentially Scotty Barnes. You never yeah. know. You never know. So uh, that being said, guys, and uh, obviously, uh, well, uh, pretty much know uh, the the main pieces uh, that are going to be a part of the uh, Raptors team for the 22-23 season. Uh, I guess it's anybody get, anybody's guess if uh, one of those pieces between Siakam or Ben Vliet, uh, will Ananobi stick around? Uh, Gary Trent Jr., he's uh, signed uh, for, until uh, the 24th season. Uh but uh, Shaquille O'Neal made uh, an interesting comment and in that uh, the Raptors are in no man's land, according to him, that they don't have that superstar, if you will, uh, that could lead the team over to the top. Uh, Dano, uh, do you agree with Shaq? Yeah. I, I think I alluded to it earlier where when I said nobody's, you know, untouchable and you know and and i agreed to some extent where scotty barnes might be a guy that you know you 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 know you might put your foot down and say absolutely no move but i don't know that we're in that position i don't know that you know any solid return can't push anybody on the current roster out right now because 
you know, there isn't that, at least Barnes hasn't, you know, he, he might be, but then you're playing with futures, you know, to, but if you look at his roster objectively now and say, is there one person that we would be foolish, you know, you know, today, tomorrow, 10 years from now to move, I don't know. And again, Barnes, you know, he would, he, he would, uh, he would solicit a, a, a ransom, you know, of really good prospects or, you know, current players. Uh, in return, and he might again, like we said, he might turn into the the greatest raptor. But Jack's right. Today, I don't know that there's, um, you know, I don't know that there is that one guy. But not a lot of teams have that one guy either. You know, that's right. I remember, you know, when Indiana was was really good, top in the charts. They never really had their star either. They were a team. You know, much like the Raptors were built to be a team. They they weren't. Uh, you know, the Celtics with Durant and Pierce and. Uh, and Ray Allen, they weren't the um, Cavaliers with LeBron and Love and Kyrie. They weren't this sort of three-headed monster, this super team that either revolved around one, two, or, or three superstars. Um, and they're being built the same way now. So yes, he's right um, in a sense, but you know, who the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll, I'll make it quick um, because. You speak on basketball better than the both of us. <laughs> no, come on we, now, Tony. You know that's like, come on. We, we've <laughs> seen Masai do it already. If there is a deal to be made that makes sense where he's going to add that guy that Shaq's talking about, he's going to do it, right? And that's it. I mean, yeah, we don't have that super superstar, but, you know, not a lot of teams do, right? But if, if that guy becomes available like Kawhi did, they will exhaust – everything they possibly can to try and make that move happen. Right. Can you jump on here, Tony? And, and, and I think you're, you're sort of driving it to her where, you know, I don't know that Kawhi's become available all that often. That was, that's not like a one in a generation, you know, timing the, the Leafs find themselves in that position now where they keep talking about flipping Willie for the Kawhi. But where are you going to get a top three player in the league who's available to come to your team? You know, that that's a luxury that 31 teams don't have most years so it, right. it's you know it, it, it seems like we'd be putting Masai and the Raptors in a position to fail regardless of what they do if we demand that they go find the next Kawhi because it's just not gonna happen. well I mean are they going out to find it things always happen you have fallouts with your organizations just like it happened with Kawhi right uh, and the guy might become available and oh you might happen to have you just happen to have the guys we're looking for to make this deal happen Plus, you know, 86 first round picks until 2035, <laughs> you know, but what say you, Zach? I, I think, you know, A, I have a tough time agreeing with Shaq in, in most instances. And I think the, the two points that he's largely made that, that Randy brings up are, are kind of mutually exclusive, right? Being in no man's land and not having like that superstar uh, are, are two different things. I think no yeah. man's land suggests that they would be in a period in a, in a place where they are not competitive, uh, but they're also not bad enough to get a good draft pick. Right. I would suggest that this Raptors team is completely competitive and, you know, you take the Sixers to seven, uh, even if many, including, you know, Shaq who initially said that they were going to get swept out and then he flips in the same conversation says the Raptors are going to take it. And all of a sudden, you know, it's still the it's a sweep comment that, that comes out. I think, you know, that's that's a bit of a wash. The Raptors had an all star. They had a Pascal Siakam, who was third team all NBA and two years prior was second team all NBA. I think he's 
you know, the closest you've got to a superstar. And I think that is okay. The way the Raptors are built right now, and, and granted they're still skewing on, on the younger side, they have the, the group that gives any team a headache, right? And because of that, you know, you have a chance in, in pretty much any series. So, you know, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier on before Dan jumped on, like I'm, I'm optimistic about this team because I think, you know, they are built uh, to have success and find more of it. Uh, but I also agree with Dan and, and suggest, and, and yourself as well, Tony, if, if the right deal comes along, I do trust that, you know, Masai is the one who is going to make it and improve this team. I think, you know, with the product they have on the floor, which is, you know, not only interesting, but competitive and the, uh, the front office that has shown it's got the chops to build winners and, you know, build teams with talent that compete successfully and consistently. Uh, I think, I think the Raptors are, are way beyond no man's land. And I think that kind of goes back to another one of our earlier comments when we talk about just, you know, frankly, sensationalist bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like you're saying things to get a rise. Uh, it, we know that the Raptors fan base is one that is quite rabid, especially online. So you're going to generate that conversation. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's frankly drivel. And I don't think, uh, I don't think Shaq really watches much Raptors basketball and I don't blame him because he's got, you know, American networks to feed and American networks don't really care about the Raptors as much either. Well, yeah, I guess the bottom line, like in most things, it's about money. And unfortunately, uh, uh, those who uh, run the FCC uh, don't really think that us Canadians matter much, do they? Where, where are the Raptors on your uh, on your valued franchises list, Tony? Do you have that handy still? Ooh, well, I have to click on to get more. Yeah, no, by all means, take uh, take uh, take your time. No, it's, I didn't uh, go I mean, that it, far down. Say, say it again. I'm, 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 I said I didn't go that far down. <laughs> I'm mostly being facetious, but uh, right, but like to, I think it, the the Raptors' value here to us, to Canada, is is very different from that of their value stateside, right? It, you know that that's obviously clear. No matter how much they win, it's just not you know it's not an American team. But I don't think that I don't think that really matters though, because in the end, basketball fans want to see great basketball. And it, it blows my mind that uh, for uh, during uh, Christmas, they always have to have the Knicks game on, that uh, the Knicks playing on Christmas. For uh, in a football sense, the Detroit Lions always has to play on Thanksgiving. Who is going to watch the Detroit Lions? Uh, with due respect to my guy, Patrick Rush, who is uh, from Detroit and on the ColorCast app, uh, Detroit has been awful forever. And uh, the Raptors... Uh, they obviously had a following when uh, they were in the finals. Uh, a lot of them were hoping that the uh, Raptors were going to take it past the uh, Warriors in 19. That, And it seems that you have a marketable guy like Scotty Barnes who could uh, attract a lot of attention, just like how Vince did in 2001. So I don't think, I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, I would put a competitive Raptor squad over a Utah Jazz, for example. Like, I mean, in terms of national appeal and Utah always uh, gets but uh, you see like, you know, Spider-Man's dunks, right? Like it's, it's going to be the highlights and, and, you know, the Raptors aren't serving up those, those highlights, right? Like I, I would say it's probably the equivalent to, you know, former Spurs ball fundamentals uh, playing the game, right. Making some good plays, 
you know, and again, shooting threes, again, it's a, it's a different game as far as highlights go. But when you've got a Donovan Mitchell who's throwing down these huge jams from the, you know, the free, free throw line, you're going to get that extra airtime on your sports center pack. I do want to add the fact that uh, Donovan Mitchell did rock a Vince jersey uh, during that slam dunk competition, which I'm sure you remember. Not a Kyle Lowry jersey? Uh, no, it wasn't a Kyle Lowry jersey. No, but uh, <laughs> Tony, any luck with the, where the Raptors sit? I'm trying, man. Uh, like 20, <laughs> I got the 2020, I got the 20, 2021 stats for some reason, even though I put 2022 in. They're fourth from the bottom. Fourth from the bottom, really? Who yeah. not in all of no NBA, NBA, just NBA. Who was uh, who was after them? Who was yeah, trying to? I, I I left that list because I'm trying desperately to find a no. 2022 one. Well, it's all good. Uh, you know what? What we could do, uh, as Tony, uh, oh. maybe hopefully you could uh, find that uh, article before we sign off here. But uh, like Sorry. you, tenth uh, place, tenth place. There you go. Tenth spot. Two point four eight billion dollars. And who's uh, ninth? Who's eleventh? Ninth is Dallas Mavericks, and eleventh uh, are the Seventy Sixers. Interesting, interesting, and Seventy uh, Sixers especially. I mean, that's uh, that's a storied yeah. franchise, of course. Uh, you know, with a Joel Embiid, uh, they uh, well, who knows what's going to happen, especially with Harden being a disaster that he was. So, that being said, uh, we're uh, uh, getting uh, close to the end of the uh, show, and uh, like we do here on What's Up the Sports podcast, we'll uh, uh, tie a, a bow on it with our rapid fire segment uh, known as Big Deal. No big deal. So, Zach, uh, Tony, and Dan uh, know the drill. I am going to pose a, uh, a statement scenario, uh, a storyline uh, to them, to you as, you as well. And uh, you're going to tell me, and uh, uh, others, please feel free to chime in if it's a big deal or no big deal. So, uh, full disclosure, guys, I am not a music guy at all. Uh, I could rip it on the dance floor, but I don't know anything about any music musical act dan uh, i see that you disagree with that but whatever but uh j cole uh hip-hop star had uh has signed with the scarborough shooting stars of the canadian elite basketball league he is 37 years old and uh in the first couple of games of his uh career he has uh played to some uh pretty uh full uh arenas of course they're not as uh big as say scotiabank arena but uh Tony, uh, J. Cole signing with the shooting stars of Scarborough. Is that a big deal or no big deal? Um, like you, Randy, I had no clue who J. Cole was. So the only, <laughs> the only big deal about it is that he signed with Scarborough. Born and raised Scarborough. So that's the only reason why it's a big deal. Scarborough. <laughs> Something tells me that Zach and Dan have uh, a lot more of a uh, musical sense than the two of us. Uh, <laughs> do you guys know anything about uh, J. Cole? Yeah, you guys you guys sound like dinosaurs right now. He's really, really good. You should check him out. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. J. J. Cole was the big soundtrack for me when I was serving, serving uh, on a, a jury for a double hitman murder case and so i always kind of nice associate the two Holy crap yeah as well that was right, <laughs> right i made my transition out of the fan actually it's a big big story i'll tell you about it i'd love to hear that yeah. uh but uh yeah daniel you were uh you were saying 
Oh, I don't know that it's, it's it's such a large deal. I never heard of the Scarborough team before. Was the Shooting Stars? Well, you have the, now. They're an expansion. <laughs> they're so an expansion it's a big team. deal. It's a big deal from that standpoint. Where I guess it, it you know it, it put them on the map, literally, figuratively. Uh, you know, and Jay Cole is an accomplished musician, so it, it means something. Um, so yeah, I'll go big deal. Well, I'm going to listen to Wet Dreams as I go to sleep tonight by Jay Cole. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't- God, I hope that's the name of one of his tracks. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> Dreams with a Z. Ah, thank you. Uh, that that would help uh, for when I uh, do the YouTube search. So, uh, you know, I, for one, uh, in terms of basketball, really love uh, the, um, I guess, uh, insistence of uh, personality uh, a lot more, especially when it comes to a sport like hockey, uh, that the, the players as well as uh you know former players uh do put themselves out there and however uh Udonis Haslam had some uh criticism for Draymond Green after uh Green uh, uh well before the uh Heat Celtics uh series concluded uh Heat saying that he'd rather uh play the Celtics and uh Udonis Haslam said that Draymond Green broke the code whatever that means well, he, he said uh, the Celtics were going to win excuse me that's is, that's yeah. what yes that's right. right yeah so uh green said that uh Celtics were going to win uh uh Udonis uh was kind of miffed uh Dan I mean is that a big deal or uh no big deal no big deal this whole uh, unwritten code about sports is, uh, is silly at best so it, it's it really is no big deal it's just a bunch of uh you know, it's it's ego, it's uh, it's theater, it's it's all part of it, um, and it's what the NBA, it's what people love about it that it's, it's sort of character driven of that sense where it's or personality driven, I should say, because these are real people, and that, and that's what's great about the NBA. So you know, the cheap shots or the or the, or the chirping, you know, it's fun, it's fun to watch, but at the end of the day, it's no big deal. I think the reason why I brought it up though, guys, is because if this was hockey it would be a massive deal that, uh, that uh, I don't know. I like, I am just, I, I mean, I love hockey. Uh, the Leafs were one of my favorite teams, uh, uh, you know, in my formative years uh, going to Maple Leaf gardens, I could still remember it to this day, but mother of God, these people have no personality whatsoever. And I was a little disappointed to uh, when uh, Udonis Haslam called him out, uh, Draymond out for something that seemed to be so trivial. I mean, look, Udonis Haslam has been playing in the NBA for 72 years. If anyone knows about <laughs> the, the code, it's him, right? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think it's a big deal, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some validity to what he's talking about. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, uh, Udonis definitely can uh, hit the uh, run the post a hell of a lot better than a guy like me. So uh, finally, uh, Jason Tatum and Steph Curry are uh, the first. Uh, to win a conference MVP. Jason Tatum wins uh, the Larry Bird Eastern Conference MVP trophy. Steph Curry uh, did the same thing for the Western Conference, which was named after Magic Johnson. Um, Zach, a conference championship trophy and an MVP being uh, awarded for the conference finals. Is that a big deal or no big deal? I don't think it's a big deal yet. I think it will be when it becomes part of history, but there's nothing to compare it to. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, in other scenarios, we'd see like playoff 
MVPs and then finals MVPs. Um, but I don't, you know, this doesn't really do much for me, but it's, it's great for them as individuals, more trophies. Yeah, I did. Well, def- uh, Randy, who won the ALCS MVP or the AI? The, 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 <laughs> yeah, ALCS won the ALCS MVP last year. Le- uh, tell me, ask Nobody me cares. who won. Who that's the point. Nobody cares. That's, that's <laughs> the point. The final MVP is Consmite. It's, it's, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's like Zach said, it's great for them. You know, they had great series, led their team to the finals, but nobody's going to remember this. You know, two or three years from now. Jesus, I can't even remember who uh, made the World Series. Like, I know Atlanta won it. Who the hell did they play? Houston? They played Houston, yeah. It's good it for trivia, food? though, right? Yeah, no, that's a great <laughs> question, Dan. Yeah. I do think it's an acquired taste, though, because, you know, we can remember uh, Robbie Alomar winning uh, league MVP and, well, I guess Borders winning the World Series MVP in 92, especially. Off the top of my head, who won the 93 World Series MVP? <laughs> Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I guess when it's 30 years ago, shoot. I mean, uh, you know, I can only know so much, but uh, you're the only one who didn't remember. So I don't know. I don't know if, if time is the issue here. Right, well, okay. So I guess uh, my job is on the line then uh, as host of this podcast. Uh, but... <laughs> you know what guys uh you know it's always uh great to talk uh sports in any capacity and uh you know uh tony and dan i mean we go back 20 years uh and uh zach i guess we've gone back the same uh same way you know uh honestly it's just a real treat that we could uh get together and have a chat actually zach i do have to give you a shout out because you were instrumental in lo and behold in my marriage so uh quick story guys uh Zach met my now wife once when we first started dating. It was like we were a month in and uh, you proposed to your wife like within six months or something of me proposing to mine. And nice. you gave me the idea of taking a picture when I was uh, going to propose. So uh, I did get that picture done. Every time I think of it, I think of that incredible suggestion that you gave me. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, if it wasn't for you, uh, who knows where my marriage would be. So Zach, (laughs) so hang on, Randy, hang on, Randy. So Zach gave you great advice on the proposal and I'm the one that told you not to fuck around and just call her the next day. That's right. Yes. And I was, I was, yeah. And I did mention that to you as well. I mentioned that in a previous episode of the podcast. So after your uh, first date, right after your first date, was it, that was the story. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Dano, uh, you know, at some point I would appreciate it if you could give me some pointers on, uh, my marriage that's, uh, running 12 years now, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, honestly, uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for everything. I really hope you and your families are doing well. Uh, Zach really hope that, uh, you join, uh, Tony and myself for another episode and, uh, actually Dan. So the last time Dan got together for an episode very quickly, uh, he was in the parking lot as his son was in some sort of practice. Now he went to go coach a baseball game. Then he hopped on. Uh, you know, I couldn't thank you enough for everything that you guys have done for this pod. If it wasn't for uh, for you guys, honestly, this podcast would be sunk. <laughs> Not that I have like a Joe Rogan number uh, uh, kind of followership. Uh, followers. 41, but... 41 episodes. Hey, hey 41. Hey, Looking forward to 42. You got a guy from Ohio listening to you, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. see what happens. All right. Brings. Guys, uh, thank you so much. For Tony and Baby Tony, steps. Dan Jerry. 
Zach Cooper uh, joining us. I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast at What's Up Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will talk to you next time.